The Walk the Mile podcast is produced on Gadigal land. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Skeg Starlinghurst stands, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. May our reconciliation be an ongoing process of love and compassion. Hello everyone, I'm Gary Lee Lindsay, school chaplain at Skeggs Darlinghurst, and you're listening to Walk the Mile, a podcast that opens up conversations that we need to have. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us once again. Well, for those of you who are first-time listeners, welcome to Walk the Mile. Today, I have uh, a new member of staff. Well, she's new this year and come in on a very interesting year, of course. Her name's Lanika Jones. How are you, Lanika? Yes, I'm well. And uh, Lanika's a music teacher in the primary school, and you have a certain uh, specific area that you're working. Can you tell us what that is? So I'm working at this point with Year 5 and Year 6, and I'm taking those classrooms uh, through music, and I'm also uh, taking them also for stage choirs. So each year, Year 5 and 6, I have a choir, so I meet with them also an additional time each week, and we work on repertoire together. Okay. What sort of repertoire are you working on at the moment? Well, this year, my real big... um, focus was to present a a musical for stage three so that's year five and six and so I I put my thinking cap on very quickly when I arrived at the school and I really wanted to look at our home as a as a as a main focus and and the idea was after the you know the year that we've had (laughs) let's look at where we are now and be grateful for where we are and this wonderful country and what we've been able to still achieve through the difficult times that we were presented with last year. Uh, so as we uh, started, I, I started looking at Australian uh, repertoire. And so we've done a mix of music from modern Australian composers, um, old kind of kitschy, old man emu, John Williamson right. style songs. Uh, we've used some music from the beautiful Indigenous uh, um, musician, Emily Waramara as well, who has also been a part of uh, some workshops, I believe, at Skeggs in the past, yeah. and um, she's given us permission to use her song. Uh, so we've, we've done a real mix of uh, Australia and what it means to us, what our home means to us. So that's really uh, formed most of my teaching until this point in, in semester two. Yeah, right. Uh, Australian music and, and the Australian experience. And how has that changed with the, the lockdown, teaching music or getting kids to sing because you know I mean many of you would know that if you're trying to do that over zoom (laughs) there's a massive lag and uh yeah you don't you miss something in that don't you you certainly do I think um well firstly of course then our show was to be on two weeks ago uh so that uh has been you know put to put to rest for for a while and so um I quickly got got working on on what we could do online. Uh, we we did put it to bed, and uh, we will you know work on the show again. But what I found actually is is I created a, a series of of um, 
I've, I call them music bingo choices. And so I have this um, huge table of about 20 tasks that the children can choose from on their own. And they have that printed booklet at home. So they're not always having to look at the screen. Right. And so I've asked them to do things, uh, things like a, a listening log, uh, diaries about uh, where they are now, writing a rap, writing a chant, um, listening to incredible music that I've directed them to or watching uh, a wonderful, um, say, improvised piece uh, and then commenting on it. Um, sometimes they're working together and they're creating uh, body percussion. I'm, I'm a real yeah. um, stickler for, for if you can feel it, if you can move it, then you can do it in right. music. So you don't just learn the song on its own, just the words and the lyrics. You'll, you'll move to the beat. You, as, as humans, that's what we're drawn to do with music. So, um, yes, they're given a varied, you know, array of tasks to do. And I'm finding that's really working well because the girls are choosing what suits them in okay. their learning. And okay. then I can uh, see how they're going and then direct them to something that might push them further. Um, the, the interesting thing that's happened is some, some girls have chosen a song to listen to and then they've decided, could I sing that, Miss Jones? Can we find right. a backing track? So I'll find them a backing track. And then so it's become like a, a few weeks project already to then record themselves performing oh, and no. then they'll write about it. And so we've, you know, I've taken their lead on how they okay. want to learn. So there's a lot of individual work then rather than a whole class singing together. Yes, but you're right. But I do always start every lesson with a bit of something silly or some singing that I might just remind them of a song that we already know and let's just sing along for fun. Um, but I do also do a lot of, um, as I said, body percussion with them. So I'll teach them a new cool move and then we'll all do that for a few minutes. And it's just a gathering moment right. before, before they throw themselves into their individual project. Sure. And are you part of um, any uh, choirs or music groups that have been meeting online? I remember last, last lockdown last year, a number of friends were part of these choirs who they'd they'd rehearse online, um, yeah, perform online in some instances. Have you been part of something like that for yourself? Well, I, I ended up yes. So when I was, um, I, I wasn't part of a formal choir only for the past year. I, I used to direct and conduct a lot of different choirs, community choirs, a cappella choirs, um, but last year I I'd stopped that and but. As it turns out, during COVID, I did three projects with groups that I had previously worked with. So one was with a wonderful a cappella gospel choir called the Cafe of the Gate of Salvation, okay. which um, I was a member of for many years. And so we did a, a huge lockdown um, performance together um, and, and record ourselves, you know, singing and, and sent that in. And that was really great fun because we got to see people that we knew each week having a little rehearsal and then we yeah. you know even if we're just singing to yourself it's it's a great a release of endorphins yeah, yeah. Um, and it, well, it brings endorphins uh, and the other one I, I worked with a, a girlfriend actually and we just recorded some songs together oh, just for the sake of it and, and I roped my daughter in who was uh, in year 12 at the time doing music and so we, we sang some um, a cappella sort of three-part songs Lovely. And which was great. And, and the last one I did was I, I was noticing the effect on my mother who was living at home on, on her own. Right. And uh, she's always loved music, but she's never been part of a choir. 
choir as such, never trained in, in, you know, singing. And so we joined the ABC Christmas Choir at the end of the year together. Wow. They had, I think it was close, I think it was probably a 1,000 people. Wow. They they taught you over a series of weeks, taught a song that was written by Deborah Cheatham, the Indigenous um, composer and singer, and um, then we all had to send in our videos of, of singing it, and then they put it all together. Um, so that was that was exciting because we were we were part of something huge across Sydney. Yeah. And um, but then my mother and I, you know, we got to feature in the video and see ourselves together. We were sitting on the couch singing our part, which was really beautiful experience to do. Oh, that's great. That's lovely. And when yeah. you're talking about your mum not being trained in singing, and I know that you know a lot of people say, I, you know, they might stay away from any opportunity to sing, even if they're at the footy and the national anthem comes on, they might, might not sing because um, they might not feel like they can sing. Mm. But I'm guessing all people have the ability to sing and, and might not be what we call singing well or singing in tune. Or, But what are the benefits of being able to sing? I was reading an article uh, a little while ago about humming. And mm, how yeah. Humming is a, a good thing for your mental health or whistling even. Yes, yes. Just there's something about being able to uh, recite the tune somehow. Yes, what is, I. How does that work? Look, how does that work? I, I think. Well, look. Every child from the moment they're they're born is making sounds, and they that is the first communication to to our parents, to the environment around us. Children will naturally react to things using their voice of course they use their hands and they put everything in their mouth too but sound uh, is our human way of of communication of feeling that we belong and connection is is number one for for you know for the whole human you know condition so I think um as we grow older then I've I've often heard people say oh my teacher told me I I can't sing. They told me I could stand in the choir, but I had to keep quiet, you know, that kind of thing. I hear that a lot. And right. I hear a lot of stories of people when they hear I've, I'm a singer or I've been a singer, um, they always say, oh, I wish I hadn't stopped, you know, my music yeah. training or my singing. And I think what you said is it's a bit of a fear. They've been either told they can't or it's, it feels embarrassing in some way because it's it's a it's an extension of speaking, but it's different. It's a bit strange, you know. Would you so, say like you're making yourself a bit more vulnerable when you're singing? Yeah, and you stand out. I mean, I, I feel the same when I'm reacting at home, when I'm teaching at home, um, that I know that the neighbours can hear me. I know that there are people around that are. I'm taking on this journey, even if I'm just practising scales. It's not just me that's mm. hearing this. Mm. And you have to sort of get over that hump in order to, to go forward and you have to be, you know, believe in what you're doing and, and you know, be strong enough to do that. Um, I often feel the same way when I watch people in the park and they're, they're doing their sit-ups and push-ups. I think, oh, how can they be doing that in front of everybody? Because it's not my natural thing to do. My natural thing to do is just to burst out into song. Right. So everybody has something, you know, different yeah. that they're comfortable with. Um, as far as you were talking about, though, that just, pinged something with me with humming and whistling my uh, grandmother my father's mum was profoundly deaf um, all her life most well, most of her life from a congenital um, condition and she spent all her time whistling 
to herself. And she really couldn't hear music Mm. much in the world. She she did later on get better and better, you know, um, hearing aids. But uh, making sound was really important to somebody who didn't hear much of it. So that to me, she, she would possibly make up her own little tunes and she was always humming and always sort of doing that little whistle that people do. Um, it, it is an, an innate thing that we need to, um, to express, I feel. And I suppose people nowadays feel more comfortable listening to music because it does evoke emotion and mm. um, we move when we hear a, a, something that we like. Um, yeah. But singing really is so internal and it's it's grounding. Um, the, the only one other thing I just thought of on, on that point was um, another deaf student that I had who was actually one of the first um, young cochlear implants a long time ago. It would have been 25 years ago or maybe not even that long ago. But um, she uh, came to me for singing lessons because her... Um, speech therapy was just so much just around talking Mm. and she was trying to learn to speak with inflection you know using rises and falls in her voice and so she her mother sent her to me just to have a different idea of what the concept of pitch was Um, and so she could really understand it better so she would put her hand on the piano she would feel the vibrations and then we could talk about how sound changes and how vibration which is what she would live a lot of her life being yeah. aware of um yeah. changes sound so yeah I, I feel it's just part of our whole human nature um and i'm guessing that's sort of like what you're saying with that that deaf student that there's something about it that that sound, music or singing or it's more than just the sound it's something it's, it's almost something spiritual or something that you feel within yourself emotional of course, yeah. No, I think we, um, well, we, we're drawn to move when we hear, some, like I was always saying, when we hear music. So, so it's, it's right there for us. If we feel it, then it becomes inherent to us. Yes. So you find yourself tapping your foot. So if you, if you with a student, with, with, with children, if you encourage them, how do you move when you're hearing this song? How do you feel the beat? How do you keep in time? Why do we, you know, why do we think that that all, most music that we have, it's all driven by beat. It's all driven mm. by a, a, a constant or when it's a bit strange, you know, and, you know, unconstant uh, beat. It's it's part of us um, and we need to um, sort of acknowledge that. And I think, you know, the, the whole, um, when you look at dance music, you know, BPM, they, they write music to a particular speed yeah. in order for people's, uh, in uh, emotion and endorphins and body, the heart rate matches the music that we are hearing in those cases. Yeah. When you're talking about the, and I guess that's what I was trying to lead to earlier, when you're trying to teach on Zoom or trying to run a choir on Zoom or, you know, from a distance, I guess you lose something in that uh, that sort of congregational meeting. Totally. Of singing together, even though you might still be hearing the same sounds and seeing each other, and it's still fun. But being in the same room as somebody else, singing together, making those sounds, there is something quite, you know, when it works, yes, <laughs> quite uplifting. 
Well, look, even when it doesn't, it's about it's about feeling each other. You know, there's that symbiotic sort of relationship or that um, a lot of musicians will talk about they'll be standing on stage together. You can't even see each other, perhaps. You're, yeah. you're behind. Uh, some people are behind you. They're next to you. But all of a sudden you're working as one, you can hear, you're using your other senses, you're hearing what somebody's putting into a, a rhythm or a, a tune and then you're matching them and it works really closely together. All of a sudden you become a team. And so, yes, of course, when we're in class, we do a lot of standing around in a circle or sitting in a circle, making music so we're all watching each other but also we're feeding off each other. Yeah, physically as well as auditory, you know, using our ears. Um, so on Zoom, it's it is extre- extremely difficult, obviously, to be able to find that. I think, luckily, we've had a for me, we've had a semester's teaching where they know me, they know my style. So when I do say to them, okay, even though you're in your living room, doesn't matter, stand up. Let's let's do these funky moves, or mm. <laughs> let's clap our hands and and um, make up a funny beat. They're, they're, they're going with me because, you know, they're used to, to the style, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially of the school too. I mean, you know, Mrs. Cleworth has been teaching in this manner as well from yeah. K to 4, so they're, they're um, well-versed in the way we do things. Um, yeah. But it is a very natural teaching style. Yeah. Do you, do you ever get students that you feel like they they don't get it like in terms of music? I, I remember there's... Not many people in my life, but a couple of people have said to me, I don't like music. And I've always found that <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. How to what does that mean? Like, sure, you can not like music, but what I don't understand that, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Look, that's really interesting because I I haven't heard that before. Right. I, I mean, it might be the world that I live in, but I live in a, in a you know, I've got different, you know, um, aspects to my life too I think music means something to everybody but I think sometimes the formalization of thinking about music as a subject might not be somebody's cup of tea they might much prefer to be thinking about you know what what how they can immerse themselves into a book or they mm. might want to use their mind in a different way having to break down music sometimes into um, component parts can often be a bit you know, the opposite of what music is about. Um, and so we need to be careful not to get too, you know, dragged down in that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think sometimes some music obviously can um, trigger people's emotions in certain ways. So then, like I was saying um, with people I've heard in the past, I wish I hadn't left, you know, my music studies. There was probably a time where something wasn't comfortable. They were made to perform in front of people they didn't want to um, or a teacher said something negative to them that should have been said. Um, I think a lot of it's that way, you you know, rather than um, because I'm sure if you said to that person, but do you listen to any music? And they probably do yeah as as well but it's it's their style it's about yeah it's a very personal thing it's interesting what you're saying about um the things that turn you off i I was getting piano lessons uh, a little while ago and i said to the teacher um i don't you know i don't really want to learn too much theory i just want to be able to enjoy playing piano and so on she said yeah yeah fine 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 but then as the lessons went on she was saying you haven't practiced have you (laughs) So I walked out. So what you really meant was, I don't want to practice, but I want to be able to do it. That's how we all 
<laughs> we all want to be like that. So am I. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's that's the challenge of of teaching, isn't it? It's it's about um, you know the out the outcome, and uh, or you you can vision you know see as a teacher what you want, but you have to try to you know sometimes um, subversively um, give the theory as part of those. Yeah. Those um, and but that's the fun thing with music. We don't have to learn every single rule and regulation to be able to do something quite creative and and quickly make something of merit. Mm. Um, and those those things are learnt by you know over time by the yeah. students without realizing it sometimes. So at the moment, what's your what's your favorite music, or has your music the music that you like has it always been the same, or has it changed? Oh, I think it changes a lot for me. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, it was, you know, I was an 80s, I was 70s born and um, a child of the 80s, so loved my in excess and, uh, and, and then all of the, the, the songs of the 80s. Um, but, then, and, but then I was, at the same time, I was training as a classical singer. So I, I was always listening to classical music and especially to opera and, and working in that field all the time. So I would be listening to thousands and thousands of tracks of early music and classical music which I liked but I found that I analyzed it too much I was doing what I was just saying before I was breaking it down into too many um, important parts so when I got to university I started listening a lot I had a wonderful ethnomusicology teacher and I and the world music scene was becoming huge in the 90s and all of a sudden we could really access you know African music and and um, Brazilian music and music from all over the world so that's that's become a really huge part of what I listen to okay um, and um, I'm quite obsessed with a number of artists um, right. in the African music world um, and then um, but jazz for me if it was anything it was it would be jazz as well um, is my um, my go-to I sing a lot of jazz and I've I've trained a lot in that, but also um it was a family favorite of my my father's and he spent a lot of a lot of time as a, a producer of of some um old jazz musicians from New Orleans. And um so I yeah, I learned a lot about jazz from my dad. Oh lovely. Yeah. And were you were you introduced to music through your dad, through your parents, or was it just something that yeah, I think, well, my mother was a piano player. My, my father wasn't a musician at all. He wished he was one of those who wished he could have, but he was one of those men, the Balmain boy who had to leave school at 13 and try to make his way in the world. Right. Um, so he didn't have that opportunity. So uh, when I was growing up, he could, they could see I loved, I sang all the time, as I, as I said before. And um, so from the age of three, I, I started learning piano and then um, went into singing. Uh, in every choir I could find and right, every group wow. I could do. So they supported me a thousand percent. Oh, that's lovely. And mm. and in terms of making a profession out of music or, you know, one of the arts, it's, it's not an easy road, I guess. It but, is not, yeah. And as you said, your father, you know, he would have loved to have done that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there would have been hurdles in in order to do that. What are the... What do you think is the most difficult part of trying to make uh, a profession out of being a musician? And, of course, at the moment, you know, it's very difficult. Mm, totally. I think um, 
the, the biggest thing and the most difficult thing at the same time is the belief in what you want to do and the belief in yourself and your ability. Because as an, as an actor, your son will find, and as a, as a musician, you're constantly putting yourself out there and waiting for approval, yeah. acceptance of it, even not in a negative way. You need to get that audition. You need to get the, that job. You need to um, constantly be told perhaps, oh, sorry, you're not the person we're looking for, but then you have to get back on your horse and, yeah. and ride to the next stop. And constantly doing that um, while you maintain your craft, so you have to then always keep up your practice, keep up your uh, your learning and your study and your interest. Um, that That is the biggest challenge. And I actually was just reading a, a, a Facebook this morning post um, from a musician who's a beautiful, beautiful singer and she's studying a, 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 a master's degree in opera at the moment and just said, is it, I thought it was just me that was feeling that there wasn't much point to practising right now when I had nothing to practise for. Mm-hmm. But I talked to another musician and they said the same and we're realising that, no, it's about how we feel, like you said, it's about how it makes us feel, mm. how we feel connected and there's an inherent, um, you know, joy in being able to be creative that we yeah. need to keep reminding ourselves. It's one of it's yeah, it's one of those things, I guess, to be able to play music or any sort of art to just for the enjoyment of it and, mm. and for the experience of it, rather than thinking, you know, I've got to do this in order to be on the world stage or whatever. It yes, and and there's a there's a turning point from all creative beings, whether they're an artist, an actor, a dancer, a singer, musician, uh, where you have to kind of decide, okay, how far do I push this? Do I want to be the next, you know, Kylie Minogue? Do I want to um, just stay within this community here and work here? Do I want to travel overseas and try to my hopes there, either for study or, you know. So there were a lot of those decisions along the way for me too that I had Mm. to always work with um and my father was 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 one who would always say let's let's try and make an album let's let's go further but I didn't want to dumb down what I was doing I I was really happy in my classical world so I stayed in there you know in in, in that choice Um, but yeah it's it's a constant question but you must always go back to why you're doing it and it's the, the love of being creative I wonder if it's easier for some people who might have had a bit of success because I remember speaking to a um, quite a famous Australian actor whose uh, kid was at Skeggs one day and he was telling me that I'd, I'd seen him in this play and I said, oh, it was great, you know, I really enjoyed it. He said, oh, I didn't like it at all. You know, Ooh. the director had, had, as you said, dumbed it down, put this, you know, he said, um, and then he got offered another job and he turned that down. He said, because acting was a spiritual thing for him. Yes. It was a very, it was something that, that it had to move him in some way. It had to touch him in some way. Um, and, you know, because of his success, it was easy for him to <laughs> turn down roles or whatever. Yeah. He was never without any work, so to speak. Um, but without meaning, he... He realised it wasn't worth it. Yeah, a bit like what you were saying, you know, am I just doing this as a job, but there's something more about me invested in this, you know. 
uh, yeah, it's, it's very much me invested in this. And I think, um, so, so for somebody with success, yes, then they can turn things up, you know, down. I think also one thing that I learned was to constantly, you know, if you're feeling that there's no work out there, don't get down about that. Create the work for yourself. Create the opportunities. And I learned that really early on. I think, you know, I mentioned my father, but he he was an entrepreneur and he would just do any job he could, you know, that yeah. he wanted to. So he'd think, okay, well, I'm going to create a, a theme park. And he would just go and do it, you yeah. know. So so I learned these kind of things from him. And uh, I would never lose a contact when you're young. You know, you work with, you might work with an amazing musician that just blows your mind that you got to work with them mm. so you keep in touch with them and you not not in any you know you know dastardly way but <laughs> you'd be grateful for the people that are in your sphere yeah. and then you start thinking oh well maybe I could work with that person I could do this so I'd have to I found if I created my own concerts my own recitals and when there wasn't work coming to me um, and you reinvent yourself so yeah. I, I feel I've done that a lot in my life. I've had, a, you know, probably ten lives of reinventing the style of music and how I perform. And that takes quite a bit of confidence as well, isn't it? Doesn't it to to actually mm. initiate that? I guess. Well, you need the right. You're right. You need the right people around you. Mm. Um, you you want to gather the the loved ones and the and the beautiful people around you, of which there are many mm. in the world, and you find those people um, to to hey, let's collaborate. Let's let's put something together. Um, yeah. And just on that, that's what I did during COVID last year. So before I started at Skeggs, I'd, I'd had a year, a bit of a sabbatical after teaching for a long time at my previous school. And uh, my girlfriend and I were finding this kind of down in the dump starting to set in. Mm. She's a beautiful, wonderful singer and composer, Australian composer. So we created um, education videos for young children and Lovely. and and just when we could, we'd, we'd get together, we'd sing, we'd write these shows and we'd put together these videos. Um, and it was just a way to release our yeah. musicality yeah, yeah. with somebody else. Yeah, and, and you can see its purpose then. And Oh, yeah. It's, it's been really useful and, and now, now classes can't come back. Then uh, people are using, teachers are using them now yeah. um, in, in this. But it was more about just us being able to make music together. Yeah, good on you. Well, mm. thanks very much, Lenica. It's great to talk to you, and I've found out so much more. <laughs> As I oh, said, that's been wonderful. We only started this year, and because it's been a lot of stop-start, we haven't really, um, well, I haven't really got to know many of the new stuff, but it's great to be able to have this conversation. Oh, it's been a wonderful place, and it's such a welcoming environment in at, at our school, and uh, everybody is... No, if if not always, you know, we can't always feel buoyant and, and positive, but but we're really always striving for something great, which is yeah, which good. is really um, very apparent. I'm glad you experienced that and mm. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks again for those people who are listening. And I yeah, thank you. Helpful. Uh, as usual, if you've got any questions or comments, you can please contact me via email or whoever else you want to contact me. But as uh, this is probably going out during lockdown still, I hope you're all okay. I hope that you're getting what you need. I hope that you've got uh, company in some form because it is a difficult time and hopefully we'll be able to see as we come out of this. Take care, everybody, and look forward to seeing you sometime soon.
Bye.